Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, the music is still going. We check got it, this. Check it, check it, check it, check it. I check know. Check it. Welcome Cheer. to the True Wealth Show. This is your host, David Littlejohn, joining me in studio this week. Is Katie Shook. Can we broadcast from a train? That would be kind of cool. Sure. I mean, we have the theme music for it. We might as well actually figure out how to broadcast from a train. Why not? You know, I suppose. Then you need a train. Okay. Is it a moving train? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is getting more complicated. Is it? But is it, though? I, I think, so. you know, look, I can't even get consistent cell phone coverage. And you want to do a live broadcast from a moving train? I'm like, you got to get a train. You got to get it moving. You got to keep it hooked up. Like, sure, why not? Okay. Okay. We'll put it on the wish list. I'm going to put it below some other wishes first, but, you know, it'll be there. It's, it, it, you know, I think it's worth it. So, uh, speaking of birthday wishes, I want to send a shout out to a few people. So, first of all, this is David's birthday month. So oh, wow. yeah. I'm going to call him out on it a little bit. And his wife, Heather, it's her birthday month. Yes. And Justin in our office, it's his birthday month. Yes. And my husband, Thomas, yes. it's his birthday month. And, and it was my anniversary month, too. And it's my parents' wedding anniversary as well That's on right. September 11th. Yeah. So my wallet hurts a little bit this month. Oh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> <laughs> but for some reason, every time someone's like, make a wish at your birthday, I'm like, could you please wish for COVID to be over? Could you? Exactly. Right. Birthday wish, please. Please wish for COVID to be over. <laughs> hey, I have to tell you, be grateful that we are in Roseburg, Oregon, and Douglas County, where for the most part, we are inconvenienced, but not wrecked by some of this. It's Although, I will say, with the exception of the education system in particular, is just... Yeah, but that's like a nationwide thing. Like, it's not really a... Uh, you know, this, well, here's the the big challenge is when you get into signaling virtue rather than being pragmatic, right? And so when you try to do one size fits all, I got news for you. One size fits all doesn't. If Washington, D.C. could figure this out, we'd probably have fewer forest fires, too. Right? Oh, you wow. You just lumped those all into one sentence. <laughs> oh, didn't I? Right. Well, Woo! that irritates me. David did not walk into the studio with a soapbox, but I'm pretty sure he'll find one. Hey, you know, I'll build one. <laughs> He's like, hold on, I'll stand on top of this stool. It'll work. <laughs> you know, you, somebody needs it. We need to do some stumping, right? Ah. So, yeah, it's just, I cannot help it in that here we are in the middle of election everything. We're like in election purgatory. And, well, no, the election purgatory comes after the election when I'm just going to go ahead and call it on the show right now. The setup is real. That... Uh, we're going to have some kind of drawn-out, non-declared winner scenario. And I haven't yet handicapped whether or not the court system has to be involved or if it's just a, well, we have to count every vote, right? Uh, because it, I, I, we'll see if one party just concedes the, in the evening up. But my guess is, no, no this is going to go to the, the very party will continue. So that's when we get into election purgatory. Right now, it's, you know, planning for election purgatory. Well, and rules are changing, right? Like due to COVID, it's like, oh, we're going to really make sure we do mail-in ballots this year, which has people concerned. And there's all sorts of other I'm, just fun. Uh, you know, we vote by mail in Oregon, but we have a long history of it. My My issue is, and I'll just come right out and say it. I just want the election to be fair. 
right? And I want an electoral college I just because want people- forest fires, right? Because <laughs> I've watched what happens when population districts that know nothing, nothing. about what they're voting for install bureaucrats that know nothing about what they're trying to do to manage something. Or if they know something, they have a system that's so cumbersome that their hands are bureaucratically tied and they can't do it anyway, even if they wanted to. When did we not become, like, farmers? Like, And, and I use that word loosely. <laughs> that but happened like, a few decades ago. Yeah, no, but I mean, farmers of everything, like, take care of stuff, right? And and maybe it's, um, there's a different word for stewards. it. Thank you. I was like, why isn't that popping in my brain? But when did we stop becoming stewards? Stewards of everything. Stewards of our city. Stewards of our neighborhood. Stewards of our children. Like, we need to start taking care and grooming our own backyards, right? And you can reach that out as far as you want to, whether it's a city or a county or a oh, state. You're, oh, you're killing me because now I'm going to go. It's it's past stewardship, right? Stewardship, there are a lot of people that believe in stewardship, a lot of people. And there are a lot of people that well are intended well, wanting, thinking that they are doing stewardship that maybe are just through lack of information. Look, I don't know what I don't know. True. Sometimes I know better than to think I know it, <laughs> but I don't know what I don't know. And a lot of people will just boldly go anyway, and they'll make decisions and then just hope for the best. Well... Well, are they trying to legislate away stupidity? Like, oh, if I just put enough bubble wrap around them, they won't hurt themselves. So they'll swallow the bubble wrap. This. It's not about stupidity, and it's not about uh, bubble wrap. It's about accountability, right? Somewhere we started to struggle with the idea of accountability, and I look at it through the history of my lifetime, and and I see through the legal lens, when you start to see criminals that are scapegoating and saying things like, well, it's, they did it because of their parents, right? Oh, or yeah. because of the environment they were in, like that somehow gives people a pass for their behavior. Now, the environment certainly plays a role, and I'm not excusing it as if it's not there. I mean, I think that a lot of people have, you could say the deck is stacked against people, but it doesn't mean we're not accountable to our decisions. Right. It's, it means maybe the number of options you get is not the same. And so I'm not going to suggest that everybody's born into the same circumstance. Under In the United States, we should all have similar opportunity set, meaning there's no door that's automatically shut because of who you are. Right? Right. But it doesn't mean that everybody's born into the same circumstance because uh, people say things like, well, it's not fair if so-and-so is born this way. They go, but is it any less fair if I, as a parent, make personal sacrifices to benefit my children? Wait, what? So, go, it, Give me an it, example because you just kind of went left and I was, like, not following. So you said, is it, is it, is it unfair when we say, well, people, everybody needs to, to – people don't get to start at the same point is what I'm suggesting. No, okay? they don't. There's this argument that, well, what about somebody that's born into poverty or they're born in the inner city and they don't have the same resources? So that is actually a very true and very real challenge. Does that mean they don't have the same opportunities? I don't know that it means that, but it could certainly mean that it's a gauntlet they have to run to get there. So it's a much steeper hill to reach the opportunity set. So I'm not suggesting that it's equal, but is it wrong – for people to be able to make personal sacrifices for the benefit of somebody else. And I use, in my case, is it wrong if I, if I forego certain things to invest in my children's education, for example? No. Well, does it give, it gives them a different advantage 
than everybody else. But it gives you a disadvantage because you chose to sacrifice it. Well, it doesn't give me a disadvantage. It means that I make a trade. Right. right? But I'm accountable to the results of that trade. Right. Okay. And then if my kids benefit, now my kids could squander it. Right? There's no guarantee that an oh. education means there's a good result. They could go to college for six years and still not have a job. So it's th those are the questions that I pose to people is we can't produce equality in outcomes. Interesting. Like you can't force that. All you can do is try to create a fair landscape where people can have the same opportunities. That is way off from the True Well Show, but I think it's still... <laughs> Remember, David brought his soapbox in. He's standing on a bench, folks. It's relevant, folks. It it's, is it's, relevant. It's relevant because... And how is we, that not true wealth? Well, and we all get to go out and vote. And I, I tell people, you know, I have a funny philosophy on voting, too. I have a lot of really strong personal convictions. But one of the things about the United States is that we try to leave the option sets open for people to the extent that those option sets don't harm others, which means I may not like something. But if it's part of the freedom to be an American, I mean, for example, I don't like certain things people say, but I believe in free speech more than I believe in censoring them. Right. Right. And so I think it's important that we understand. You believe in the right to disagree. Absolutely. And, and I believe in everybody's right to, in a sense, get, retain as much personal decision-making authority as possible. Right. Right. And so I don't like the idea that collectively – well, there's a social contract where a majority thinks that we should do it a certain way, and therefore the minority just needs to get in line and go with it. That, to me, is mob rule, and my experience is that mobs don't get smarter. No, they, they reduce to the lowest common denominator. Right, and so I'm not interested in the lowest common denominator outcome. I'm interested in maximizing individual and freedom, individual's freedom and decision-making to the extent that it doesn't harm other people, and that means you have to be personally Accountable. Account. Actually, okay. this does pertain to investing. It's actually totally relevant to investing and outcomes because the reality is as an investor, you will get direct feedback, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can blame it. You know, if somebody comes to our office and hires us for investment advice and we blow it, then we have to accept the blame because that was the job and the accountability we took on. Right. Okay. Now, the other person, to a certain extent, is there's a liability for hiring whomever they choose. But I don't, I wouldn't view that from our office. And this is important when you do your own due diligence, right? If somebody hires us, we assume responsibility. Right. For now, bad decisions that somebody makes. Somebody comes in and tells me to do something dumb against my advice. Okay, I can't help you. Okay, it's your money. I'll still do it. But I can't help you. you know, and I've had people that called me up scrambling saying, we got to go buy ABC stock. Right? That's fictional stock. I'm not going to throw names or stocks tickers under the bus. Right. But I will say, I've had people scrambling saying, i got to go buy this thing. This right now. And then within a week, that it they plummets. lost 35 to 50%. Yeah. I've had that happen on more than one occasion. And I, and I actually, it bothers me because... I feel like as an advisor, I should be able to help somebody make better decisions than that. 
But in these cases, well, it wasn't going to be heard. But it's but you've also said your part, right? It's not like you stood by. You went, uh, are you sure you want to do that? Because these are the reasons I would reconsider. And then it's they're true. like, no, no, I want to do that. And you're like, I mean, you've given them. Said, are you sure? Are, are you, you sure, sure you want to touch the hot stove? <laughs> oh yeah, I want to touch it. Are you really sure? Because it's going to get hot. You, yeah, I shouldn't. You shouldn't touch the hot stove. No, I want to. I want to touch it. Like, yeah. Uh, okay, look, it's free country. You can go touch it. Just know if you do. It's on you. And then people come back later and they go, yeah, I probably shouldn't have touched that stove. Like, well, I, I don't even have to say I told you so because you walk in the door holding your hand going, I, I know you're going to say I told you so. <laughs> you're like, I and don't have like, to. You already did it. Yep, you already punished yourself. Exactly. Although the hard part, that's a double-edged sword, right? Because, like, if you say no, like, I don't recommend this, and your advice is rooted in data, which you talk about often, right? It's not like, a, I have a hunch this is going to be bad. It's like, no, I've looked at the historical data. This is kind of what I see the trend as. Is well, I've heard experience. you use those words in experience. And people come in and say, oh, I want to do this thing. Now, the hard part is sometimes they're right. They go after a stock and it's a weird one-off buy timing-wise and they make money, right? And it, But you can't win, right? Because if they lose money, then they're like, oh, why didn't you stop me? And if they win, they're like, see, I told you so. So like there's... Oh, yeah, it's a trap. It, professionally, <laughs> it's a trap. When somebody comes in and tells me what to do, I'm like, oh, no. Because, right, if if they get it right, they're super smart. If they get it wrong, I'm super dumb. Right. So, <laughs> no, it's like, like huh. wait, I can't win this fight <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to frame this for you guys because this is going to be relevant. Here, you know, one of the number one question I'm getting right now is, is it an investor and an advisor? Um, I think I know what it is. What do you think it is? Are we going to wait until after the break? No, just tell me. No, no. It's ah, you got to wait. Out. What is the number one question people have been asking David? It's, you know, it's what should we do about the election? And the reality is this is a risk question. So I'm going to tell you, how do you deal with risk in your investments? we got to take a break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. I got like the tricky headset, so it's like if I twist just slightly oh. to the right, it clicks out, and then I can't hear anything. I see. Oh, it's like the sweet spot. I got to find the sweet spot on the plug, and then it works. If you've just tuned in, you've hit the sweet spot, <laughs> gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Uh, we Where were... lots of fun always happens in studio, and we never know how it's going to work out. <laughs> right. And so I, I want to get into something today. Uh, you know, you can check out the podcast for the first segment. It's at littlejohnfs.com, but also... Uh, you know, the the setup on this one was really simple. If you're just joining us, I think this is going to be important information to latch onto. So we're going to do a little bit of learning today. Okay? And the learning today is around how to manage risk as an investor. Okay? This, is, this can be wonky, nerdy stuff, but I don't want to approach it from wonky and nerdy. I want to approach this from... Uh, like a let's unpack this and understand it just in layman's terms, okay? And and why are we doing this? Well, a lot of it's because I'm getting all these questions about, hey, what should we do about the the markets and the election? Should we be changing our investment strategies or doing something different? And my response invariably kind of starts with, do you know the risks you're already taking as an investor? An investor. An investor. 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 Right. I'm an investor. Right. As an investor, do you know the risks you're already taking? 
I think people make assumptions sometimes when they think how much risk they're taking, but I'm not sure that a ton of people really understand their risk and their portfolio. And listen, a lot of folks, they don't – the the tools that many people get to work with as investors are – Limited? Somewhat – yeah, somewhat rudimentary. And that's be and there's a reason for this. Okay, if you ever wondered why do the free tools on the internet only get you so far? Because they want you to buy stuff. Well, it's more than that though. There's an actual math and money reason why that doesn't happen, and it's not because of the freemium model where they just want you to use a little bit, get hooked on it, and then start paying or. Freemium, I like that. That's yeah, that's a real <laughs> term. It's a it's a business model for. It's your new for word technology. of the week, freemium. freemium. Right, so you start with a free product that offers an upgrade that's more of a premium, and at some point, folks want the additional features, and so they upgrade. Well, th- here's the thing about financial programs in general, and a lot of folks are unaware of this, but. Because I'm a bit of a nerd, I have some affiliations with other fintechs around, so financial technology firms uh, across the country. It's not that big a circle, and so as I slowly make my way through, and I've gotten to interview a number of folks that are CEOs and CFOs and entrepreneurs, and we talk about some of the metrics associated with fintech. And one of the elements at play is the data that fuels all of the different softwares that operate out there. So data for doing things like correlation analysis. And if your eyes just rolled back in your head because you're either you're bored or you don't know what I'm talking about, right? Correlation is how closely things relate to each other. How similar are they? When something is really highly correlated, then they sort of move in lockstep. If the price goes up for one thing, it goes up for the other. So price of timber and Home Depot sales. Ah, they are. There is a correlation to them, right? And so there, it's not a one-to-one correlation. Right. I would say here's an example of something highly correlated: Home Depot and Lowe's. There you go. Right. These are two stores with really similar business models. They have differences. They're not the same company. Uh, Home Depot or but, Lowe's may outperform one over the other at any point, but same industry, same everything. In fact, the business model is usually set up shop close to each other because we're going to pit each other against the, the competitors, to each other's yeah. customers. So that's a high correlation environment. Okay. Okay. And so there's also inverse correlation. I like to use sports seasons. Like it's like baseballs and snow skis, right? Not a lot of baseball when it's snowing outside. <laughs> baseball okay. snow skis. Okay. Not a lot of snow skis when you're playing baseball. True. They're inversely correlated, right? The more extreme the conditions one way or the other, the more the sales kind of skew the opposite. Okay. Fair enough. So, and there's seasonality to it, right? So there's all these, but but when it comes to investing, you actually have to think about how the different things that you own interact with each other. Yes. Because correlation is a component of the one that everybody does hear about, which is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Be diversified, right? And Home Depot and Lowe's is not being diversified. It's diversified on paper, but it's not very diversified in terms of reducing the risk that you have concentration in one area of the market. Right. Right? So you want to get enough different holdings that have different things going on. Like an oil company and a 
computer company. And yeah. I was just thinking like tech and well, like all the different sectors. Like real estate is not very highly correlated to energy. Oh, there you go. Now, real estate uses energy, and energy uses real estate. So they're not non-correlated. They're just low correlation. Got it. Okay. This is also why people talk about getting both stocks and bonds. Different types of investment classes. So for people that don't know what a bond is, can you describe what a bond is? Because I always heard people say, oh, you should have bonds, and I don't, never knew what they were. Yeah, so until I worked for you. Bonds are when you loan the money to somebody else. You're the bank. Yes. You're the bank. Someone needs to borrow money. They can't walk into a traditional brick and mortar bank and borrow the money. Well, maybe they could, but they don't want to do it that way. So if you think about the government does this all the time, right? The government can print money. True. Does sometimes. Yep. But when the government is not trying to do that, it's trying to finance its operation. What does it do? It issues either treasuries or government bonds. So a tr they're really similar, right? It's just different names because of the length of time. So like a treasury is 10 years, and a bond is 30 years, typically. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. So if you want a 10-year loan, you buy a 10-year treasury, and what that does is you're loaning the government money for 10 years. Right. The government's going to pay you interest, and at the end of 10 years, they were going to make a balloon payment and give you back your money. Your starting value. Yep. Which is what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. Okay. Uh, that's different than a stock. Right. Right? Because a stock is equity. In it, the company. It's, it's ownership of another company. Hey, I just got some stock. You know what? I now own part of the company. That means I get part of the profits of the company. Right. Okay. So this, I'm, I'm not really intending to go through the mechanics of the types of investments. We've done that on this show before. and We'll do you, it again in the future. And you can go on our YouTube channel and we talk about, you know, what's a stock, what's a bond, what are some of these things. So you can go see if you want more of an education on these basic elements. That is a good point. Our Little John Financial Services YouTube channel has a lot of those short videos that kind of explain all the basics yeah, it's, of investing. It's, I always say the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling. But now we're talking about how to position yourself going into the election. Now, first and foremost, what did I ask? Said, how much risk, risk are you comfortable with? Okay. And I think right now people are maybe feeling a little less risky. Well, I think people have a high degree of uncertainty right now. Has that? Have you noticed that that's correlated into risk at all when people are coming in to do oh, their reviews or anything or phone calls you're fielding? Well, let's let's talk about what you'll hear if you start watching financial television, right? If you go watch CNBC or something like that, you're going to hear things like, "Well, the cost of risk is this," or you know, risk capital, or you know, you're going to get the and and risk to me is this. It's a utility term in finance. It gets it gets thrown around a lot, and it has sort of a lot of different definitions. It seems it's it's like uh, you know how Eskimos have like 19 words for snow. Oh, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of different types of snow, right? And so, where in we don't have that in our language of English, right? So you say, well, there's snow, and then you describe the type of snow. So you could say there's popcorn snow or there's you know slushy snow or there's sleet or you know there's different types but the difference between snow and sleet those are two different words right it's no longer a description of snow it's a different thing okay so uh, this is kind of a silly i know it sounds like a language lesson but stick with me i promise this will make sense okay uh it's 
you can say, well, there's a dog or there's a chihuahua. The chihuahua is the specific type of dog. It's a name for. Right. Okay. And so in finance, oftentimes, uh, risk is kind of like dog. There's lots of different types of dogs, right? Right. We know what it means categorically. But risk is also, it's worse than that because risk can mean different things depending on the context. True. And so that's what I'm getting at is how much risk are you comfortable taking is me asking you as an advisor, okay, how much downside loss can you accept as an investor? If you have... That, now, those didn't sound like the same question at all. It didn't. Okay? But here's the thing. If I ask the question, what is the, what's the cost of capital right now and what's the cost of risk capital? Or what's the reward for risk capital? Then we're talking about different nuances using the same word. Yeah, we've talked about the fact that when you say the word risk, people kind of go, ooh. Right. Like it's a bad so, thing. Like, cause you know, don't, don't risk it. Don't be well, that person. It, insurance. That's too risky. Insurance. It is risk. It's also called a peril, right? If you're, you're talking about insurance, it means what's the thing that I could lose. Okay. But the funny thing in financial terms is risk can also be the upside, right? right. So, well, the risk and the reward, we say, well, the, 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 if I take this much downside risk, it's because I'm, I'm owning, I'm buying risk, meaning I'm, I'm willing to buy the upside potential too. Right. Um, when you purchase risk, you're saying, I'm willing to buy the uncertainty of the outcome because I anticipate the upside is more than the downside. So that's being willing to buy risk. So it's also saying, I'm going to buy the stock market as opposed to a CD at a bank. You're buying risk. Right. Well, Yet another nuance, right? Right. And and the problem is when you get familiar with something, you start throwing it around like everybody knows what we're talking about. You know, if I start sh- throwing around the term delta, and and it's like, well, are you talking about the airline, or is that like a part of the river, or or does it mean the the ch- measurement of change between two different things, right? So <laughs> all in context. The context matters. Depends. If you tell me that you have a ticket somewhere, then I know it's the airline. <laughs> right. So. Here we are thinking risk, and I'm, I want to talk about your investor risk as in how much loss are you willing to tolerate? Well, and the funny thing about that is people always say, well, you know, I don't want to lose anything. Well, you understand that the stock market fluctuates, right? Well, yeah, no, I understand that it goes up and, you know, some days are down. Well, Okay, well, it can't fluctuate without right, right. So, and not go down ever. <laughs> so here's the thing. What yardstick do you have? Ooh. Right? So how are you going to measure? And so first we talk about context and then we talk about measuring. Now, we got to grab a break because that's like the pace of this show. But I want you to stick around uh, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you to figure out how much risk are you taking as an investor? Is it the right amount of risk? And then should you be changing? Right? So that... And more fun when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Littlejohn with Katie Shook. And I got to tell you, if you're just joining us, you're missing out on, well, kind of a lecture today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, good. I missed it. Yay. Oh, you know. It's been um, <laughs> statically charged. I don't know. 
The air feels like it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, I think we're starting to get. I'm, I'm just hearing like during the breaks, the political ads and other side other. I'm laughing because there's a competitor that's out there saying, "Oh, well, look how smart we are," blah blah blah. And I'm guffawing because I'm like, there's nothing special about that competitor's offering. They're just preying on the naivety of the listener. Um, I got to tell you, if you go to a broker, then unless they get into a specified fee-based relationship or fee-only financial relationship, then they're not likely acting as a fiduciary for you. If they're receiving commissions, they're not a fiduciary, okay? And lots of firms are investment advice firms like ours. We don't charge commissions on the investments that we have, period. It doesn't matter what they are either, and it doesn't matter what you buy or sell uh, largely. I mean, there are certain instruments like you buy a a bond position it does have a different charge than buying a stock position that charge is not a commission that's like a ticket charge for getting the transaction done it's like it's well, a transaction the, charge and it's, it's not it's to a cover the, the mail cost and everything and here's the thing cuz it doesn't matter if you buy like 10 dollars of something or you buy a million dollars of it it's the same price right. so it's just a transaction or facilitation charge right. and it doesn't go to the representative so there's no compensation being exchanged for making the transaction happen it's just processing if right. you will so i just shrug at that and go well once again the the danger of the financial industry is that it's all about nuance and subtlety and then it's up to you the listener right you out there you got to figure out what well, you're being yeah, sold. Who's feeding me a line and what's being sold to what? Right? We talked about uh, earlier, why can't you get good tools that are, you can get okay tools that are free on the internet, but why can't you get really good analysis tools? Like, it's interesting. You know what you can get pretty good free tools on if you're willing to go searching? Where? Well, not where, but oh. what kind of stuff? Financial planning and calculators. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, you know, there's like, a lot of free calculators of free, out there. Good free calculators. You go to our webpage. We got a bunch of free calculators for you. But it's things like uh, calculating compound interest, calculating annuity payments, calculating time values and future values of things, uh, loan calculators, tax calculators, right? Estimating your taxes. There's all kinds of free resources. You know why? Because those are like because yeah, the internet's good at math, right? Right. It's just a calculator. I was because they're, they're yeah, like it's a fixed point. It's like well, if you want to know what the interest rate is on this, and it's like well, it's easy math. It's not going. Hey, by the way, if you're this risk score, you should totally invest yeah. in this stock. Calculators are ubiquitous and they're largely free, right? They're on your phone, they're on the internet, they're on any computer out there. It's a it's a very standard thing now that's just available, right? Nobody's like, oh, you gotta. Maybe you're getting a graphics calculator or something for, you know, higher math in education. But otherwise, it's calculator. You get them. They're all over the place. Right. So you can find a lot of those tools that will do the math for you. Okay. And that's that's what a lot of financial planning tools uh, in the basic level are. It's They're, they're not going to get into the sophistication of understanding things like uh, strategy. No. Right, but they will just give you the math. Hey, how well if I invest this long, how much will be it worth? What if I have to pay taxes along the way? Okay, well that'll chip away at it. At least that math is right. So, yeah. So <laughs> there's math. That was my little dig at some of the changes in math these days. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we, but if you think about what is going on 
those things are free because they're free everywhere. And so then it's just somebody making kind of a cute graphic interface so that it's easy for you to utilize. Or it's you being willing to do the work to hunt around the Internet and piecemeal it together. Right. You're doing all the work. Then some places will say, oh, okay, well, we'll aggregate everything into one spot for you, and then we'll charge you a little bit for it. And then you start getting into the professional landscape where they say, all right, we're going to take this to the next level. It's no longer just about you've got this much money flowing through your life. Where does it go? It starts getting into things like, okay, what are the different goals? You're gonna, you've got kids. How old are they? You're going to go to college. You're going to help them. Which college? How much is it going to cost? What's your rate of return? What's your tax rate? What's your tax credits if it's available? Uh, how much life insurance do you have? How much life insurance do you need? How long should you have it? What about other insurance like liability, umbrella, and long-term care, and blah, blah, blah. So, by blah, the way, if your eyes started rolling goes. back in the in your head and you started going, oh, crap, I don't have enough. Um, yeah, these are all legitimate questions that a financial advisor should be asking. Well, if you're dealing with a comprehensive planning firm, they're going to start looking at this kind of stuff for you. And if you're not interested, you can just kind of tell them, like, pass. I just want the investments. And you know, and they're mo- okay doing that too. Well, most firms do it the other way around. Yeah, they I just say give most, you the investments they, and Most then firms wait you later. walk in and they start to say, well, how much money do you have to invest and how much money? Because that's really how most of their firms make the money. Right. So why aren't there a bunch of free analysis tools? I'm talking to you about risk. Like, okay, you've got investments. Maybe you have a 401k. Maybe you have an IRA somewhere um, from work or you started on your own. And maybe you bought some mutual funds. Maybe you bought some stocks. How do you look at what is in your portfolio and determine whether or not they're it's well working? Are they is highly it correlated? Is it in the right asset classes? Is it likely to achieve my investment objectives? Like, how do you do the analysis? And you, know, you start hunting all over the internet and you find a handful of places that you can build some basic free stuff, right? So you go to like, Yahoo Finance or Morningstar or Finviz or different places where you can do some of the research and you can piecemeal it together. So this to me seems a lot like when I watch a home improvement show and I watch them like renovate a kitchen in 45 minutes and I think, oh, that doesn't look too hard. And then I start swinging a hammer and go, oh, my gosh, this is like three months worth of work. Right. I didn't realize it was so much work. Heck out of it. And then like, you know, you knock down a half a wall and you're like, never mind. And then you call the guy in to come fix the wall and you're okay with your kitchen. And I'm not saying me personally. I'm just saying, like, all the things you've described, can you do them all yourself? Sure, you can. But the time horizon on how long you're going to spend on this stuff and the attention span to do it and the follow-through and... It's not just that. I mean, that's the reason that there's a reason that you partner with pros. It's because you just don't actually have the time to do it all right. And because pros get different tools. Yes. Okay. Now, when I say get different tools, let me... uh, clarify um they pay for different pros go buy the tools yeah Yeah. and by the way some of these tools it's like oh i can ride a bicycle or have a ferrari right like a lot of the tools that the pros are using are like ferraris they're super expensive and they do a lot of things more than a standard bicycle would do they are both modes of transportation but they are not equal well i will i will just say that the reason that they cost money is not because they're trying to extort from pros although i think they do Believe oh, it or yeah, not. they do. Uh, because if you want to go buy, like, for example, I have a stock charting program that I utilize. I pay to have this service, and it costs me more to access institutional data as a professional than if you as a consumer wanted to go out and buy it personally. Because what they're suggesting is me as a professional, I will be able to utilize that and then distribute portions of it or benefit across more than one person so i'm sort of paying for like a multi-seat 
access point where everybody else that's on the consumer side, you guys out there listening, you could do this. You could actually buy the same tool that I have, and you could go pay the subscription, and you could pay however many hundreds of dollars that it costs, and it, your data will be cheaper than mine, right? Bummer for me, that's what happens as a pro. But then you got to be able to use it, right? Do you get more whistles and bells with the pro version? So or more I, the, reports? This, the, the one I'm thinking of, the charting software is just available, right? And that's because that's not uniquely professional. But let me talk about some things that are. Okay. Analysis engines, okay, where you're bringing in feeds from multiple analysts and you're bringing in data. Yes. Data feeds cost money. Yes. Because somewhere all of that data is being curated, aggregated. It is being sort of screened and scrubbed and filtered so that it's accurate or at least as accurate as can be reasonably accept, expected, and then, the you know then it's distributed to professionals only, right? Which is why you don't get those free tools with access to much of this stuff because it's got all kinds of costs associated with it. Right. And the internet is not about actually giving everything away. The free stuff is all about capturing your eyeballs to advertise to you. Of course. And what just for people that have never done it, what is data scrubbing? Okay, data scrubbing, great question. Uh, it, it's just a fancy way of saying that somebody has to validate the accuracy of the data. Okay, so that means that you have to go through and get rid of the stuff that is bad or deviant. And so there's weird stuff, like if you get a stock that splits or ha it goes ex-dividend, and that means it pays a dividend and the stock price changes, and then you have to sort of recalibrate the dividend value back into the stock. There's all kinds of subtleties to making sure that the pricing data remains accurate. Ah. And so that's very, very critical when you start talking about analysis. So then the question is, what do you do with all of this? Okay. Yeah, what do you do once like, you've gotten all so the analysis? So how do you do this and what does it mean? So let's take the last break. Okay. And when we come back, what do you, or if not what do you do, what do we do as pros that might be different than what you do? And then you can decide, is that, do I need more or am I good where I'm at? So that. And more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back. Home stretch of the True Wealth Show. And you know what? We've covered a bunch about. I guess I'm just talking to you as investors today. Risk, correlation, There's all these tools. terms that get thrown around, and then maybe it's less interesting. You know, I nerd out on this stuff. I think it's interesting. I don't know if our listeners think it's all that interesting. but um, <laughs> That's why they have but me here, David. <laughs> it's really important, though, and so that's why I'm bringing this up. Um, if you are trying to figure out, and I, and I think everybody needs to, if you're wondering, hey, what should I do about the election, there's probably a few camps that are out there, right? One is nothing, right? I'm just, I'm investing, and I don't watch it that much, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, that's my camp. Okay. <laughs> um, the other one, the other extreme is, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I better do something. And so it's the start sort of running around um, chasing your tail, like, you know, should I sell everything? And uh, you know, there are people that they will. They'll sell everything and they'll try to go hide somewhere. And some of it is just based on, I don't know, it's like you know, sticking your finger in the air and feeling the breeze and going like, yeah, I just got a hunch. Uh, and then there's somewhere in between where you may be listening right now and going, I, I don't know, should I, shouldn't I, what should I do? And of those people, a handful will take some action and a bunch will just sort of 
and not get to it, right? Um, That's actually a really valid point. Like, even if you want to do something about it, the amount of people that will take action is probably not as high. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to suggest. One is the tools that you get. If you get some basic tools, say you have a 401k plan, there might be some basic tools that come with your 401k plan or some suggestions. And, you know, they're, by and large, uh, they're pretty watered down tools. And for good reason. Uh, this is at the risk of sounding, um, I don't know, just a little disenchanted with the business these days. I will say many of these tools are watered down because they're more about managing the liability of the provider than about providing a service to you as a user. Yes. Okay. Truth. There's, Hashtag truth. Yeah. There's just a lot of stuff out there that's like, well, here's this tool. And then you start reading the fine print and you discover that, hey, it's you know, use it as is, and, you know, whatever happens, it's kind of on you anyway, and the data is, you know, as best we can do, but we don't really know anything, and past performance is no guarantee of the future, and rah, 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 rah. It's all true, and it's all accurate. It's just the, nobody wants to take a hard stand on something because then there's liability. You can right. say, well, you said, and then when it didn't happen, I'm not happy. And so there's a lot of wishy-washy language and non-committal language in finance. I get it. Heck, you probably, you're probably thinking right now, yeah, you use some of that on the show. He's like, yes, we do. Because ha we have to. Well, to some we, extent, like we're regulated well, by stuff and we have to be careful about what we say. And, and we can't give you specific advice on the radio. There's actually laws against that. Uh, or, you know, if we did. Actually, we can. We can. You just, just can't be licensed and work at the place that we work at. Well, or we can do it. We just then assume unlimited liability, which seems like a really dumb move. Right. So I'm like, well, if your financial advisor assumes unlimited liability, you may want to, you know, like, here's your sign. I, uh, <laughs> I read a, a financial article the other day that was talking about the election and about risk. And then at the bottom of it, it says, we recommend these two stocks. And I was like, well, you put that in writing on the article? Like, that's kind of scary. Well, some do. But remember, this is, uh, if you've ever seen one of these articles that says, uh, you know, the, the, successful billionaire recommends doing the following read our report you know there's all these different sorry that was a big eye roll in my heart it uh, just yeah. was not out loud <laughs> there's a lot of uh, i call it financial pornography right there's all these sales pitches that are designed to prey on your fear or insecurity to get you to then uh, or your greed right fear greed and insecurity are the three things that they'll really go hammer on to, and and insecurity is typically around fear right right and, you know, and so it's either a fear of missing out or it's a fear of doing something wrong um, or just straight up greed. Well, the article pertained to what I, we were talking about today, right? They're like, oh, here comes something about the election, right, and the risk. And then they were like, well, maybe you shouldn't be an investor during the election. And they're like, or it could go this way or it could go this way. And I'm like, so you started out trying to take a stance and then you totally just backpedaled and said, never mind. I really don't know. Yeah. And then, by the way, go buy these two stocks. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. it was so confusing if you actually read the whole thing through. But. That doesn't always happen. Well, remember, Internet, and so if it's Headlines. free, they're, they're, they're selling you something, whether it's advertising or just trying to monitor what you do. To, and so, uh, Look, I will just come very clean. We, in a sense, what do we sell? Uh, like on this radio show, what are we selling right now? Mostly we're selling credibility. Okay? And education. So, if, so there's an education. If you learn something, that's a win. And if you discover that there's something that's either over your head or outside of the world that you want to deal with, 
that you find yourself going, Great way to where put it. should we turn to? And we go, hey, over here, we'd love to talk to you. Right. Because that's our wheelhouse. But it's different than trying to, I'm not trying to trick you. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing and we're not trying to put about fear in you on. about everything and like, oh, you need to work with us because the world is scary. Right. That's that's not the point. And I'm not trying to trash competitors. I think I teased a little bit earlier because what the competitor was doing was preying on the naivety of the listener. And that bugs me. Right. Okay? Just be honest about it. Look, we all have something that we do. We all have a, a value proposition behind it. Go understand what that is. You know, our office is all about being... Uh, tactical uh we're we're not going to be the the low cost super cheap provider that's not what we're good at tactical though involves more work right there's a lot more uh data that has to be mined and there's activity that goes with it and so we have just more fine tuning that we're doing ourselves rather than outsourcing to third parties right. and so you know you're you're getting fewer middlemen so what you see is what you pay for more so but it's just a different way to do it Anyway, we're off off the beaten path here. Here's the trick with, with the risks that you're taking. You're not going to get great tools. That's what my larger point has been that I'm tap dancing around, which means it, you know, you're know, you either going to have to go with the tools that you've got or you're going to have to start doing more organic research. It just takes more time. Or, or hire somebody. You, or you can hire somebody or in certain circumstances. You know, we actually make available some of our pro tools for you and it's sort of like come kick the tires and make some decisions that way so if you want some access there that's available to you i would say give our office a call and it's just a matter of you know get us the statements it's we can you know we can run it through the the old machine and tell you what it spits out right and we'll data scrub for you yeah we can do some <laughs> of that heavy lift but uh anyway there it is. That's the music. Gosh, it went fast. Always does. I know, right? Well, look, uh, if you want to hear more and you'll want to learn more, check out our YouTube channel for Little John Financial on YouTube or call us. 541-375-0898. Right. We'd love to sit down and chat. Uh, free consults. Uh, and so that's and we, we do roll. Zoom chats, too. Yep. We can do it however you want to get there. But we're out of time for now. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.